0: Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is scheduled for one network and is your main event. down to talk with the watt and maestro so grab a seat relax and listen to some wrestling chat rep let's ring that bell we got someone who's gonna hit the mat
1: welcome to another edition of hitting the mat the podcast with me your host the kilowatt and my co-host the maestro what's up maestro
0: Dude, not much, man. You know, still still trying to grow, str- grow strong in these uh, these COVID times, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm waiting on my next stimulus check is what I'm doing. It's probably not going to come, though. But uh, what is exciting is that we are here with the deathmatch as Guardian himself, Stockade. How's it going, my man? How's going on, guys? So, uh, how has how this uh, quarantine been for you? Have, have you been doing anything special to keep busy or...?
2: Uh, it sucks man I don't don't think anyone's really enjoying this Uh, I'm trying to keep busy you know like uh, I've been doing a lot with my girl Um, going to the park and uh, the beaches and doing like running and jogging but I'm just like everyone else man I'm just waiting for this shit to fucking pass and it's just uh, you know every day it seems like it's something new man every time I turn around it's uh, the virus isn't deadly it is deadly wear a mask don't wear a mask Uh, people people that stay home get infected like Nobody knows, but it seems like it's going on. So I'm just waiting, like everyone else.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much all we can do at this point. Now we've got murder hornets on the way. So yeah, that's the, that's <laughs> the
2: next thing everyone's panicking about. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's uh, definitely keeping 2020 interesting at the very least, and not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Maestro, if you want to kick this thing off, my brother.
0: Sure. Um, so before we get into your your wrestling career. Um, was stockade like as a child so like where did you grow up where are you from and just kind of what was your what was your childhood like
2: i i was born in louisiana my uh, parents before they divorced um my dad was part of the phone like a phone company it was like called luco or something like that back in the day so he was stationed in louisiana we were i was born in monroe but we moved back when i was like four so i'm a new york boy um I grew up predominantly in a town called Matterville. It's literally like a small little farm town all the way out, like basically like the Hamptons Long Island. And, uh, you know, I grew up like a, I guess like a a country kid. Like, we, you know, we uh, basically built forts and underground forts and wrestled each other, you know, typical, you know, country backwoods. You ain't got much to do. Like, (laughs) you know, it was throwing rocks at cars or building forts or, shooting bottle rockets at each other
1: oh nice okay sounds a lot like my time in alabama i like it
0: (laughs) yeah so um so when um it it sounded like were you always attracted to wrestling as a kid like was that something that was part of your childhood
2: yeah like I, i can't like pinpoint when i became a fan i just always remember wrestling like being in my life like i just always remember watching wrestling like it was never a like, oh, I got to do this, or, like, oh, I, like, I found it. It just – it was just there. So, like, I've always been a fan. I'm a big comic book fan as well, I'm a big Marvel guy. So, like, wrestling and comic books kind of, to me, go hand in hand. Oh, totally. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, was there any, like, particular wrestler that you really um, gravitated towards when you were a kid?
2: Yeah. Uh, for me, my favorite wrestler as a kid growing up until, like, the Attitude Era – was uh jake roberts and i think Mm -hmm. at first it was because of the snake and then like as i you know you get older and you know you become a wrestler you learn how you know how great he was uh in my opinion still is like he's you know back on tv probably the best promo guy going today in my opinion Mm -hmm. but uh, it was jake roberts hands down and then when i when i got older it was uh you know i think everyone became a a Shawn michaels fan at some point if you were a kid you know dude gliding down from the rafters and then of course stone cold like I remember being like fifth grade, like telling my teachers, like uh, being like a rebel, like stone cold, like, you know, you're like 12 <laughs> years old and then uh the undertaker. And then as I got into the business, I started to see more of like the Japanese stuff and Stan Hansen's and the bruiser Brody's and Terry Funk's, etc.
1: Okay, right, man. You said uh, that you kind of were like into Jake because of the snake. You also like have a pretty decent uh, amount of reptiles
2: yourself, right? Yeah, I'm a big reptile. It's uh, called herpetology, uh, is the scientific term. But I'm a big reptile hobbyist. Like, it was reptiles. I do. I just grew up. I don't know. Like, uh, my dad. My dad used to have a like a reptile wholesaling business, like on the side. Okay. So like I grew up with it, and it just became my love. Like I, I, you know, I love animals in general, but I just always loved reptiles for whatever reason. It just they they just something i gravitated to and i had a few jobs in the, uh when i was younger working in the pet industry and stuff like that and you know it just my deal
0: that's awesome so what, what kind of reptiles do you have like that that you personally have
2: uh right now i can give you a quick count because i like, will be honest with you i don't even know the count um <laughs> <laughs> i got six snakes i got a uh, a frog a turtle that were rescues i have a bearded dragon that was a rescue two of the snakes are rescues i have my girlfriend's axolotls which are like these salamander things Mm. uh i got two geckos and i got my monitor lizard
0: oh wow so so how is that taking care of all those reptiles like because i know you know for wrestling you travel quite a bit you know how's it uh how's it like taking care of them
2: well thankfully um you know they don't They don't eat as much. Like, you know, my snakes basically eat once a week, uh, depending if they're in shed or not. Uh, The geckos, I have crickets here all the time. So, I know, I usually feed my animals the day before I leave or that morning, depending on where I'm going. And now that I have my, you know, my girlfriend will come and take care of them if need be. But, I mean, it's fairly simple. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I got one, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven tanks and then a snake rack, which is almost like a dresser with six Uh tubs in it. So, you know, it gets... You know, it's a good five hours if I have to clean everybody, but I, I kind of break it down, like, certain cages get clean on certain days.
0: Wow, that's, that's. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So, um, besides um, besides the reptiles, do you have any other, like, outside interests and hobbies, like, outside of wrestling?
2: Uh, yeah, I just, um, I'm big into working out, which I can't do right now. Uh, I, I lost about 100 pounds doing so uh oh, wow. or everything you know within like a year and a half um a big you know. i'm just gonna probably sound funny but I, I got big into cooking during this pandemic okay. uh, for whatever reason i just started watching uh, guy fieri and i don't i just started cooking like just i, I don't know if i'm any good but um <laughs> keeps my mind occupied but i fish i hunt um and pretty much my animals wrestling and working out my girl and her kid like I, i'm pretty simple man i don't i don't do a lot i don't really collect comics like i used to i used to do the funko pop thing but that got just completely out of control so <laughs> i'm just very uh pretty much set my ways right now of trying to like I, i'm trying to build my credit and get a house with the old lady and stuff so that's my focus
0: there's nothing wrong with that man so um, with with the whole because uh, com- you said you were into comic books as a kid, um, but now that like Marvel is kind of under the whole Disney umbrella, this is just kind of like a little sidebar. How do you feel about those the kind of like the Disneyfied Marvel? Like, are you, are you kind of still on like the old Marvel side, or are you are you totally cool with what Disney's doing with it?
2: I mean, I've never been one of those guys that are like, oh, it's not by the comic books. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge Thor fan. I think everyone knows that pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, like, the first Thor movie, everyone hates. I mean, I like it because I'm a Thor guy. But, um, like, they, they pulled things from different comic books and, like, his armor or, you know, his look. Like, I get it. Like, you know, you're going to change things up. It's Disney. Um, but I'm not one of those people that are like, it has to be this way or it never happened or, you know. I mean, I'm just glad we got those movies, man. Like, I, if you would have told, like, 12-year-old me, like, hey – when you're in your twenties and thirties, they're going to make all these superhero movies and you're going to get to watch them. I would not have believed it. Cause the best thing we had was like the X-Men cartoons and Spider-Man. Like that was mm-hmm. it. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's kind of how, like it's kind of how it should be. It's, it's the same thing with wrestling too. Like people kind of do that with wrestling, you know, they're like, Oh, well it shouldn't be this way or whatever. It's just like, no, just enjoy it, man. Like, just, just enjoy that it's here, you know? Yeah, like,
2: don't get me wrong. There are, like, there are some things in the movies that I've seen where I'm like, eh, it didn't really happen that way. Or, like, people think it did, which, you know, it's, you know, people think that that's the stories and the origins and stuff. Um, like, there was a couple things, like, with, De- like, the Deadpool movie, like, how he got his powers and everything. I was like, ah. Eh. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not something where I'm going to, like, flip out about and, like, go and, like, I'm never going to see this again because that's just stupid. No, I'm not. I'm not like those Star Wars people that like boycott <laughs> these movies for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so moving forward, then you decided to get into wrestling. So, how did you go about getting your wrestling career started? Like, when did you decide to to start training?
2: So I was uh, 17. I was like just. It was in August. I was just about to start my senior year of high school. And uh, I wrestled in high school. I was pretty good. I, I went to counties. Um, I played football. You know, I did everything. But I was like, I was always a wrestling fan. Like, that's all I wanted to do. And uh, it was the, uh, the Chris Benoit DVD. Uh, I think it was like Hard Knocks or something like that. Yes. Or Hard... Yep, I have that mm-hmm. myself. That sure. DVD. And in, for whatever reason, I don't know why it was from Benoit. I don't know why it was. What he said was he didn't want to be in his 40s saying what if. And that just resonated with me. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be in my 40s saying what if. And the only school that I knew of in my area, like locally, was the Monster Factory. So that was the first one I called. And I didn't realize it was like a three-hour drive. But I'm like, oh, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it. And then I stumbled upon a school called Critical Mass Pro Wrestling, which was actually closed but reopening under the name NYWC. And the head trainer was Mikey Whipwreck, and that was forty five minutes from my house. I knew who Mikey was. And every anytime I read something or heard an interview of guys that were in the business, they're like, You gotta get trained by somebody that did something or was somewhere. And yeah. lo and behold, forty minutes from my house, Mikey Whipwreck, ECW Triple Crown winner, W C W, et cetera, beat Steve Austin. What better, you know, it was just to me it was perfect.
0: So what was it like being trained by Mikey Whipwreck? Frightening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up, so like I said, I grew up playing football. I did judo, karate. Like, I, I did a lot of physical things, and I, I thought I was a fairly tough kid. Training for wrestling under Mikey, like, he took whatever Taz caught at the House of the Hardcore and... Yeah. From my understanding, House of Hardcore, they didn't want anyone to graduate. They just wanted to be known as, like, the fucking toughest school. He wasn't as strict as Kaz in the rumors and stories I've heard, but it was bad, man. Like, I mean, I, I have horror stories of, like, doing steps on just on chairs or on blue mats. And, like, he's like, 10 minutes of steps. And he's like, everyone in unison. And, like, what one- we would be at, like, 9 minutes and one dude or, or, or me or, or anyone would just like slowly be like out of sync another 10 minutes. Start like, over, and it, yep. yeah, and it wasn't like a, it was just more of a a toughness thing to weed people out. Like, I, I get it now looking back at it, but it was, dude, it was a fucking, it was a nightmare. Like, he threw my bag out of the building once because he wanted <laughs> me to, he wanted me to lean with my left foot, but I kept leaning with my right, which is weird because I'm a lefty. Like, just complete chaos. Like, I would, like, sometimes get to the building and, like, just chills of, like, what the hell's going to happen today? What am I going to... Like, just nightmares. But once you earned the respect, and he, ha- you know, you had his respect, and then it was different. Then it was fucking the funnest experience uh, of my life. Like, I owe everything to Mikey and NYWC. Yeah, he's definitely...
1: A, he's definitely one of those old-school trainers. He's, but but when you, when you do get to know him, he's funny
2: as hell. Oh, he's a character, dude. He's insane, full, like... Full on completely insane like I, I watched him take a backdrop into a dumpster for no reason after our show <laughs> just, just to make everyone laugh like just that, that's just the type of guy he is he's a one in a million nice so
1: actually like just jumping ahead a little bit since we're talking about mikey um
2: you just recently got to have a match with mikey correct yeah uh i think it was february um excite wrestling for the excite heavyweight title Uh, somehow the promoter pulled him out of retirement. It was a lot of, uh, I played a part in it, but it was, it was awesome because I don't know how much more he's going to be around, uh, wrestling wise, you know, he's very beat up, but just to have that last match and where I'm at career wise, because the last time I wrestled him, I wasn't as far as head or as polished as I feel I am now. So this was kind of like, to me, like the best that I could be at my, Time and I feel like I'm top of my game, so it meant a lot to me.
1: Definitely, that's awesome. Yeah, I, the pictures from that match were really awesome. Hopefully, I get uh, is
2: there a video of that out? Uh, yes, I think it's on um, IWH or IW in the IWTV, I think it's called okay. in uh, okay. independent wrestling TV. Yeah, it's, it's on there. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, under the Excite excitement, I just forget which one it is. <laughs>
1: So, like, uh, when, when you were training, were there any, like, especially, like, tough, uh, like, hurdles that you had to overcome? Uh, I mean, dude, the whole thing
2: was tough. Like, yeah. I mean, thankfully, um, thankfully, I, I was a wrestling fan, and I knew, like, you know, if somebody said, hey, what's a body slam? I knew, like, kind of how to do it or clothesline. Right. Um, biggest thing for me, man, because I was a bigger guy, and even though I was, a, like, a football player played baseball – there's no no conditioning like wrestling and doing sprints and suicides and wall squats with guys on you. Just the cardio was the, the hardest part, and then the uh, the me- the the mental game of wrestling. You know the the political landfill. The, you know the oh. guys like messing with you, and some guys doing it to toughen you up, and then some guys doing it just to mess with you. Like that's the hardest thing, for sure. Uh, So when
1: you started wrestling right out of the gate from training, um, what was your first match like, if you remember that? And um, after that, this is like a really long-winded question, but how did you get into the deathmatch style as well?
2: So my first match was against another student named Mike Spinelli. And literally, the way we got the match, we did a student show the month before. And we were not promised anything. So me and the guy, Spinelli, we lived five minutes from each other. We trained at the gym, watched wrestling all the time. So we, we watched a match. We saw this really cool spot that Sabu and Rhino did. And we kind of made it our own. And we showed Mikey. And literally, Mikey goes, that's awesome. You're doing it on the show this month. Congratulations. And we are just like, what? <laughs> like, you know, we have, like, you know, the, the basic beginner shitty indie gear. You know, like, just two kids that are like, why are we on this show? And that was the first match. It was the uh, first match, like, literally a month after our uh, whole uh, student show trial. And, yeah. And then as far as deathmatch wrestling, um, I never planned on getting into it. It wasn't my my real, like, goal. I, I didn't frown upon it. I liked doing hardcore or, like, no DQ. But I started working for Beyond Wrestling and the fans kept tweeting um, Drew Cordero, the promoter and owner of Beyond, like we want to see Stockade versus Tremont. We want to see Stockade versus Tremont. It was axed and I wrestled Matt in a no DQ regular brawl type match. And then that led to a full rope match, which led to a uh, fans bring the weapons and then led into this um, insane casket match with the carpet trips and, all the nonsense and cinder blocks and then CZW um, drew Gulak and uh, Sozio. They needed somebody to be part of the front that led me to CZW. And then that's where the whole, Hey, do you want to do death matches? And that, that opportunity came about. And I saw it as an opportunity for me to shine. Like, you know, you could either be, it's hard to get over as a really good wrestler and it's hard to get over as a really good big man when it's such an oversaturated thing. So I took my chance and did the deathmatch stuff. And I mean, it got me over, it got me a lot of places. It got me a lot of attention. So, I mean, it was the best thing for my career and probably the worst thing considering all the physical damage. Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. So like, uh, you said that it got you a lot of places. Um, I've seen that you've worked like not only just in the U S but other places as well. Um, where where have you gone? What, what are some of the coolest places you've gotten to go and so, to do your thing?
2: I got um another one of the guys that was my trainer and uh, a mentor, a guy that actually passed away in January, uh, Crusher Dugan. He was very good friends with uh, a guy named Jeff Bradley, who was Dudley Dudley in uh, ECW. Yes. yes. And he was in Mexico, Trinidad, the, like the Caribbean islands, basically, like Puerto Rico, Mexico, uh, the Dominican, all that stuff. And... He needed a partner, but he was doing, like, a Bruiser Brody, Rob Zombie, kind of Ray White-ish, like, backwoods, crazy, hillbilly, brawling guy. And he hit up Crusher, and Crusher basically passed him along to me, and I found myself a month uh, in Mexico in the islands. So because I was doing that style, that kind of helped. Um, I've been to Mexico uh, twice. Uh, I've got to do Trinidad-Tobago, the Dominican a couple times and i've been the you know all over the the state doing this stuff you know detroit north carolina virginia
0: wow so um, going back to sort of the um, – well, because your, 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 your moniker is the Deathmatch Asgardian. So who – is there somebody that actually coined that? Because um, I know you had said you're, you're a Thor fan and then obviously with the, with the Deathmatch Death style. So how did that nickname kind of come into play?
2: So there's a guy named um, Cheyenne Ortiz. He's actually my manager in uh, Excite Wrestling. And we were having a conversation and just, you know, like guys ribbing each other. Uh, he was like, you know, fuck off, Deathmatch Store. And <laughs> I popped. I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of funny. And I was like, man, I wish I could use that, but I couldn't use store But I was like, fuck. Like, and um, there was a guy named Papadon uh, that trains and uh, lives out on Long Island. And yeah. he's the Greek, he's the Greek god. So I was like, wait a minute. Like, you, you know, and then I was like, well, Asgardians, I'm like, that's Marvel. It's topical because of the movies. And my my family tree is Swedish German, like the normat like normatic places, so it's not a far off thing. So I was like, you know what? Like Deathmatch as Guardian, that doesn't sound terrible. It's not Deathmatch Viking, which Danny Havoc did. It's different. And it's basically I get to uh, run around with Thor's hammer, wrap the barbed wire, and smack people with it. So I get to live out my childhood fantasy of being a superhero and beat people up. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I love I love how you put it. Nice. So
2: it was, it was a way for me to I, honestly, it was like the perfect way for me to be able to like use uh Thor's hammer and not look like a complete like nerd or mark for Thor. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: The yeah. only thing that would be cool is if you could get one of those hammers that will like magically go you know like to your grasp at the beckoning call, but it's wrapped in barbed wire. And those, uh, matches. Trust
2: me, I, I've at TOD, we were trying to figure out a way to uh, make that happen and just. There's just no way, but that's that's been a thought. I've tried so many different things, like just to try to figure it out. If I do, it's gonna happen, and it'll be the greatest thing ever. I'll probably retire after.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as like death matches go, is there a certain mindset you have to have in order to like go into a death match? Because like something for me, like um, you know, it, it, just just the whole thought of you know, putting yourself and your and your body through that um, is kind of unfathomable to me. Like, I would be like, no way, man. Um, so, like, as far as preparing for a death match versus preparing for just, say, like your, your regular rules type match, um, is there anything that you have to do mentally to kind of prep yourself for these death matches and all that kind of stuff?
2: Um, I, I used to. Like, I used to think about it a lot. And I would either psych myself up or psych myself out, especially if I was doing something or taking something I've never taken before. Um, I would get, not anxiety, but like anxious of like, is this going to suck? How's it going to feel? Even with guys being like, dude, it's not that bad. Um, Now, because I've pretty much taken everything and I've done so many, I'm kind of calm. But there's that, before before the match, I'm like thinking about it. I get a little bit like, Anxious. I just want to get out there and do it. But once I'm out there, it's just you just do it. Like I don't think about it, It, and it's crazy because you would think there'd be so much more to it, but it's just man. Like I'm just so used to it, and it's just it's like riding a bike. It's just like natural now. Like I just you just do it. You don't think about it, and something happens. Something happens, and you deal with it. Like I was in Horror Slam Wrestling, Alex Clone in Detroit, and took a light tube, uh, a light tube bundle. I've taken a thousand times, and for whatever reason, it sliced my arm probably about, I say, a good inch and a half. And just, I looked down, my arm was covered in blood. I was like, oh, that sucks. Came in the back, cleaned it, glued it shut, and then hopped on the plane back to Jersey uh, (laughs) pretty much three hours later.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, um, you, you talked about, um, working with beyond, which kind of beyonds kind of taken, uh, um, like a next level step in the, in the past, like couple years or so. So what, what, what was your time like working with, working for beyond?
2: Uh, crazy, uh, drew Cordero has a great business sense wrestling wise. He's not, he's not a booker. I don't. I don't want to like say like I don't. I don't mean that in a bad way. He's not like a um, a Dusty Rhodes or like a Vince McMahon. He's a matchmaker. He'll put together these matches that you know. Like what if Chris Dickinson wrestled Kimberly or brings back? You know, he he puts these awesome first time matches on his cards. Storyline wise, it's not really that. It's not beyond Sting. Um, yeah. When I was there, it had. It was like just starting to get that pro wrestling gorilla, like you gotta be there. This is the East coast spot. And it was on fire, man. I mean, he had like, dude, you look at NXT, you look at AEW, you look at, you look at pretty much anything that's on TV. They went through beyond or they Mm -hmm. came through there on their way back to TV or off TV. Like, I mean, it was just an awesome place to work. Um, And it was stressed, dude. You want to talk about, like, that? my anxiety there compared to death matches was through the roof because you'd be on the show and the opening match would be, like, the Young Bucks versus Team Tremendous and then it'd be JT Dunn versus Chris Hero in 30 minutes and then it'd be the Hit Squad or Chris Dickinson and, like, by the time, like, me and Matt would get up or me and Eddie Kingston, I'd be like, we're fucked. What the hell are we going to (laughs) do? Like, they just saw all this crazy stuff where the dude's diving off the balconies. It was just awesome but, like, Intense, and it, it really did help me become a better wrestler because it stepped my game up tremendously. All
0: right. So um, you, you talked about Beyond, you talked about NYWC. What are some other companies um, that you that you work for on a pretty consistent basis?
2: Um, H2O would pretty much be the one that comes to mind first and foremost. Uh, it's basically my home promotion. It's Matt Tremont's company i uh, been there since day one. Uh, it's, there's no drama. There's no, there's no BS. There's no game. It's, it's just a bunch of guys that enjoy wrestling and that are, it's the little engine that could basically like the stuff that we've been able to accomplish um, has been great in the short time that the company has been around. And I just see it. as being the future, uh, there's also Excite Wrestling, which is up in Binghamton, run by Johnny Moose. I'm um, currently mm. the champion. He just got it on his own building. It's um inside of a mall, which is probably one of the nicest like wrestling venues I've ever been a part of. Yeah, they um, have a really nice setup. Yeah, it's it's really awesome, and it's really cool to see. Like, and his attendance went through the roof uh, right after all that because of being in the mall. And then there's like you know there's uh, American Championship Entertainment, run by a guy named Mike Morgan, who. Gave me my first break. Uh he's been in wrestling business for like twenty years. Like one of the oldest companies I think going in Jersey. It's crazy. And then there's uh as you guys know, uh Tate Atomic. Absolutely. I love Tate, but sometimes he drives me crazy. (laughs) I wanna strangle him because sometimes I ask him questions and he's just like, I don't know, man, we'll just do whatever. I just wanna like jump at him. (laughs) He's um, with that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, man, you know, and like I was looking forward, you know, for you guys first show. But you know anyone I work for, man. Like I, you know, I love everybody. Just as long as I'm the type of guy, that, as long as there's no drama, and, I, and I, or I don't have to deal with it, yeah, I'm good.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I definitely like. I wanted to ask like your opinion on some of these things. Like um, when it comes to going to a promotion, you you seem to like these promotions that you no know, drama, and uh, you talked about H2O kind of being the next thing. And I, you know, I've, I hear that name often, so it's it's definitely going to be true. Um, but like when you're working with a promoter and you're getting like ideas and storylines, do you find yourself often having the ability to collaborate, uh, with the storyline or offer your own ideas and help construct the matches and the direction?
2: Pretty much everyone I work for, uh, they thankfully will, you know, I mean, obviously when you first work for a company, it's not that way, but mm-hmm. thankfully the, the places I ha- I do work and, um, when I do get booked places, uh, I, they, they respect my opinion on things or if I have something, um, you know, if I have a, an idea or whatever. Um, the way I look at it as, you know, ultimately, it's not my money on the line. Right. If I'm told, hey, we can't do that or we can't, you know, we have to do it this way. I, even if I don't like it, I'll do it. And I, if it works, I'll be the first person to say, hey, I was wrong. You know what? I was wrong. Um, if it didn't work, I may be a wise ass and be like, told you, but I'll still do it. (laughs) Um, but no, I, I, you know, I, I, I definitely think like my, my thing is nobody knows how to be stockade, but me, you may have ideas or you may have, um, a goal or, or a concept, but ultimately you don't know how it, you know, how to be me. Ultimately Um, you're the guy
1: that's going to help me get there.
2: yeah, Yeah. Like I have no problem working like but to me it's like i don't care like i i never cared about jobbing i yeah. never cared about like but it's got to make sense like that's my thing like and the, when i do get brought into these companies that are you know just bring me in because of i do have somewhat of a little bit of a name value or because they've seen me or mm-hmm. i'm there to raise up you know the the champion and i've had that in smaller companies that i do work for that are like bring me in once every three months as long as it makes sense that that's my whole deal like it's got to make sense um the only place I ever really had any issue was NYWC, and it's one of the one of the reasons I'm not there anymore. Um, it's uh, it's a sad reason, unfortunately, but it, it's it's one of the reasons.
1: Definitely.
0: All right. So, uh, you kind of touched upon, like, um, you know, saying that. Um, you know, nobody knows stockade better than stockade, obviously. So uh, I just, I want to kind of like pick your brain as to the evolution of this character of stockade from like when you debuted to, to now, like, what have you, what have you done over, you know, the longevity of your career to kind of um, keep that, keep that fresh? Uh,
2: Well, one, I learned how to wrestle. That's the big thing. Um, no, it's so like when I first started, um, my mom and my stepfather were big bikers. My, uh, my stepfather is in a motorcycle club, so I'm not a motorcycle rider. I like motorcycles. It's just not my thing growing up that way. So my first gimmick was basically I was like the underfaker. I had yeah. the baggy pants with the singlet and the gloves and the leather trench coat. And then that was just that was just something that they were like, hey, you're going to be stocking like the big burly biker I had, you know, bald head, and then that transferred to, when I got, like I said, when I got into wrestling, I became a big wrestler, like a big Ring of Honor fan with the Samoa Joe, CM Punk feud, and like, the guy Spinelli was like, dude, screw that biker thing, man, like, there's no reason why, like, with your amateur background, like, dude, you could be like a Samoa Joe, so then it became almost like, a Taz, like, wrestler gimmick, and then from there, I basically was just like, just shuffling around, not really knowing, like, what I, who I was until I started a feud with Mikey Whipwreck and he was called the Unholy Father and I came up with the idea of uh, the Devil's Outlaw which was basically my version of uh, like a Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody wild, crazy, Terry Funk like we'll take two to give three type character
0: mm-hmm. oh,
2: yeah. and then that's where it kind of transferred over into the whole thing of Beyond Wrestling and then from there that's when the Deathmatch Asgardian came about because it was more me. Like I was wearing a singlet and like, it just didn't feel like me. And then I just kept hearing all these interviews from guys that are like, man, I, I Kevin Steen was the big one. He was like, I got all these singlets made when I got signed, but that's just not, I, that's just not me. And I was like, you know what? I always felt like everyone was like, Oh, you gotta have pro gear. You gotta look a certain way. I was like, man, I'm just going to be me. And if I can't yeah. get over being me, then I'm just not going to get over, it, but I'm not going to try and, appease anyone anymore i'm gonna enjoy this you know and if i get if i get somewhere because of it awesome and if i don't then hey i'm still gonna enjoy wrestling but i'm gonna do it because i'm enjoying it not because i'm trying to get rich or whatever and i've had dude since then since i think it's been two years i've two and a half years i've been doing the Deathmatch as guardian i've had the most fun in wrestling
1: it's awesome,
0: yeah. Well, it also helps add that layer of authenticity, too, that helps people buy into your character. So, like, even though it's still a character, you're adding that level of yourself to it that makes people buy into you.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, still, like, you know, I, I'm the Deathmatch as Guardian. I'm like, I'm obviously not really uh, a god. But, you know, it has <laughs> that, you know, it's got that little bit of, okay, there's a character uh, to it. And, yeah, I mean, it's me. If somebody said, like, explain stockades, like, Stockade's Joe with the volume turned up, just like, know steve austin says stone cold is steve williams with the volume turned up to 10 that's just the same person all
0: right so um with with you working um like those those different gimmicks you've also been a part of a couple stables is that correct like you had like the hounds of hatred for a minute i'm and a faction
2: man i do my faction. best work in factions
0: okay so um, so, what kind of um, – what, what what, draws you to the appeal of the factions?
2: I uh, know that's kind of a joke, but um, it's just like <laughs> most of my success in terms of wrestling has, for whatever reason, been like with a faction. Um, I was in a group with Mikey Whippert called The Black Circle, and that's when like my real growing time, I was, you know, with Mikey wrestling, with Crusher, um, and that's how I like grew. And then from there, I, me and my tag – thing we split and then i became the trainer of nywc uh, alongside uh, a guy named blake morris and it was the idea of the uh booker to put three of the students with me um and he you know i, I had the the belt there he was like you know i want to do a raven's flock type gimmick with these outcasts he's like you're already doing the whole woe is me bitter gimmick thing he's like it'll work you don't you know and in my idea I was like all right we're gonna do ravens get uh, thing then let's go for it and we created the hounds of hatred which was i guess my white family ravens flock type gimmick and then my whole goal wasn't about getting myself over it was about getting the kids to the next level like if once this group was ended i wanted three new stars for the company and that was the goal, and it, I kind of succeeded in that. And then the other real faction that uh, I was in—that's probably the most known—is the Awakening with Tremont and uh, G Raver. G Raver, yeah. Uh, you know, I saw I
1: saw a match uh, with—I believe it was you, G Raver, and a few other guys—in a ladder match
2: at uh, Blackcraft. Uh, what was it like working with Blackcraft? Dude, I thought Blackcraft was like going to be the next AEW, like the way yeah. it was presented, the way that it was built like you had a, a, co- a company with a money behind it the guy bobby who's a legitimate nice guy mm-hmm. um who was not he really didn't have much of a say in the company just the funds um i mean dude the first show i i was blown away i was like dude they have doug bradley pinhead john morrison like they had all these guys and i like i was like finally me and raver were like man like i think like we signed contracts that like you had to like, you know, do certain, you know, you couldn't do certain things, like not wrestling wise, but like Blackraft stuff. Um, I loved the first show. I mean, I thought it was great. And then they were supposed to go to California nothing happened. And then we went to Buffalo and that had like 5,000 people there. And then they went to Mania and it just fell the fuck apart. They were part of the collective I don't know why they felt they needed to be part of the collective. They could have done their own show and they had a lot of, they had a lot of um, other, like, I guess what do you call it? Uh, promos or, or skits. Like mm-hmm. they did like 20 minutes of Doug Bradley getting his throat slit, which is great. But when you're, you're <laughs> st- stuck to a two hour time frame, you're kind of screwed and it just fell apart. And honestly, like it's been a year. I don't know if they're done, I'm going to say yeah, but never say never. But the first show is the money. Like, yeah, we we were the opening match. And I remember uh, John Morrison's like, what the fuck are we going to do now? How do we top that? Because you <laughs> got a raver diving 40 feet off the uh, out of the fucking balcony. And it's just it was awesome. And it should have yeah. been great. But I don't know. Yeah. The- Bad management, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what to really say.
1: Yeah. And not sure what really fell apart there. But the presentation was phenomenal. I would love to see a return for that
2: yeah, man, I, I do too. It was, it was awesome, man. Like wrestling in front of like 5,000 people in Buffalo, New York, like was insane.
1: Uh, so like the other company, we've talked a little bit about um, atomic. Uh, that's kind of where I, I mean, I've known about you, but this is where I actually first got to see you live. Um, what, what was uh, like, how were you brought into atomic and what's kind of been like your run there? Cause atomic is like, Legit, one of my favorite wrestling promotions in PA. So, yeah, I um, I
2: got booked for some random uh, shindy in Pennsylvania. I forget the guy that ran the show. I forget his name, but like he's like a, I get. I it comes to turn now that he's a real like uh, slimeball, mm-hmm. like real like skeezy, like cutting people and like screwing people out of money and like cutting venues and, like just real dirt stuff. But I wrestled. Um, I actually it was the main event. It was myself, Tate, and I think the guy's name was um, Manchild or something like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think that's what his name. But uh, I wrestled Tate there. We hooked up, and he hit me up to work his show, and he brought me in to team with uh, himself against um, Scotty Jeffries. And I forget the other guy's name. With Mikey as the ref, and then I basically was on and off, and then I was kind of there for a little bit took a little bit of time off, brought me back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my run there, I guess, you know, it's like I, I've gotten to do some fun stuff. Um, right. You know, he, he gave like, I got the wrestle Funny Bones, which was awesome. Um, but it's been, like, hit or miss because Tate changes, you know, like all of a sudden he'll run a Friday, which I can lock in. Then all of a sudden he'll change it to a Saturday. And I want to be there all the time for him. But, you know, sometimes, you know, like he'll run against H2O and stuff and it just it gets hard. But I, I love Tate. Yeah. I love, I love everything. You know, he's down to earth. He's he's never lied to me. He's never screwed me. He's not. Ne- if things change, he's straight up honest. Like he's a straight up honest good dude. I mean, we've been talking since the pandemic, just checking back and forth. You know, I know PA is kind of like up in the air about when wrestling's gonna return or whatever.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I love I love Atomic. Like uh, I love like all the people that are there. Like uh, when Tessa Tessa was there, I, I love Tessa. Where I became friends with her there. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls they have there are money absolutely the guy, i mean dame smith I, I never really met him prior to that and the kid's super talented
1: for sure yeah i, I know you said that uh, tate's checking in with you and stuff throughout the pandemic i actually want to thank you for being one of the only people to check in on uh see how we're doing since uh not being able to run the mm-hmm. show and stuff so i definitely thank you for that
2: no man you gotta do it. like that's the thing man like with this wrestling business like i i you know you realize that like out of sight out of mind people just forget and i don't want to be one of those guys that are like hey man i'm only talking to you because you're paying me to wrestle like i just yeah. i don't know like it, it's more to that to me like I, i'd rather and I, I i've seen guys like you know like when you guys are gonna start a new company i'm not and just in general anytime someone starts a new company man like i've seen the boys like just try to get money 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 and then like dry the place out and then not care if it closes down so right. i'm more of like i rather be there a year later still wrestling rather than just you
1: know, whatever. Yeah, man. Like we're definitely uh, talent first is, we're very focused on providing a place for you guys. Well, and everybody to grow. I mean, you're, you're basically a veteran at this point. So, uh, you know, we, we, we want the best and the people who can uh, eventually grow into the best and, you know, whatever
2: we can do to support
1: that. Uh, it's, it's what yeah, we man. Like there's, do, man.
2: I, I don't, I don't get wrestling beefs. Like I get it with the boys and jealousy Right. I kind of get it with promoters, but like I don't get why like my promoter would like call commission or what. I just don't get that shit. Or like mm-hmm. you can't work for me if you work for that. Like, dude, that's just yeah. No one's no one's getting fucking rich here. If you're gonna pay me not to work for somebody, then pay me. But you're gonna have to pay me a lot not to work for someone.
1: Yeah. No. Definitely. Hmm. For sure. All right, man. Yeah. We're, so we're nearing kind of like to the last bit of our questioning. It's a little segment we call the gauntlet. Uh, just kind of like a. Kind of like quick fire questions, but if you have like a story or whatever, you know, we can slow it down and, and, and definitely chat through it. Um, sure. But before we get to that, um, we've talked a lot about like where you came from, where you are, and now we're all in this situation. But once the situation is all all through, what's next for
2: Stockade? Uh, honestly, man, um, right now it's pretty much... Trying to get my life together with this, uh, my girl that Mm -hmm. I've basically been with for a few months. Um, Hoping that she's the one. Things have been nothing but great.
1: That's awesome. Uh, In terms
2: of wrestling, I mean, the goal for everybody, in my opinion, should be to get on TV in some capacity. I know some guys want to go to Japan. Um, That's my goal. I, I, you know, not to, I guess, brag or whatever, but like, I've had talks with Dreamer. About impact. I've had talks with uh, even Rhino who's taking my number. Um, you know, things were kind of moving forward, and then obviously what happened happened. Right. Uh, if things happen, man, and that happens, awesome. If I never make it there, bottom line is the way I look at it, and I've told all the students I've ever trained, like you're not a, you're only a failure to yourself if your goal is to wrestle, and your goal was to wrestle in front of people. You did that. If yeah. you never made much money, hey, I'm sorry, not everyone does, but. The way I'm looking at it, man, as I was a little kid and I wanted to be a wrestler, I got to do that. So when I fucking hang it up, I accomplished my goal and I got to do a lot of cool things in the process.
1: It's a great way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. I totally have the same vision. I like that. All right, Maestro. Um, I'll probably edit the intro in in the post. But if you want to rock the uh, start off the gauntlet quick fire questions, give it a shot, buddy.
0: All right, so um, so with the gauntlet, this will just be kind of like you can you can answer it however however you want. Uh, we can either take time for it or it can just be quick hits. It's totally up to you. But the first part of it is the name drop. This is where you um, tell us basically all the names, like those big names that you've worked over your career.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so you got. Mikey Whipwreck, Raven, Tommy Dreamer, The Blue Meanie, uh, Rhino, Mick Foley uh, worked with Terry Funk, Kurt um, Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Tony Nese. Um, All those Mikey man. boys. Pretty yeah. Um, Amazing Red. Trying to think who else. There's a few others. Uh, King Kong Bundy, Tito Santana, The Warlord. Uh, Noink like the Clown, not Matt Bourne, uh, Ray Apollo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, who else is on that list? Uh, you know, Indie Guys got Eddie Kingston, David Starr, I mean, Drew Gulak. Um, who else is on that list? There's a few others that I'm, I'm forgetting. Man, I, I Funny Bones, um, uh, Bobby Fish, Dan Moff. Ooh. Yeah, I think I'm – I know I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Fala. Uh, Fala's on there. Um, Pat Buck, he was just an agent for WWE. Yeah. Um, Man, I think that's pretty much – I can't really think of anyone else. I'm I'm sure there's some I'm forgetting, but I think that's pretty much all the names. That is a hell of a list.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good list. (laughs) (laughs) right. So what would you say – um, as far as your work rates concerned, what was the best match you've had and who was it with?
2: Uh, oof. I, I would like to say my best match is still coming. Um, but I mean if I had to pick top three that if somebody said, hey, I want to see the best of stockade, um, any of my matches with Tony Nice back in 2011, uh, my match with G Raver from hardcore Kingdom 3 and then I would have to say, Honestly, I had a really, really good match with. Um, oh my god! Why? Oh, shoot. oh uh, this kid, uh, EJ Risk, uh, local company on Long Island, Victory Pro Wrestling. Uh, EJ works at Creator Pro, which is Kurt uh, Hawkins and Pap Up School. I had a like, I just a really good, like, just killer match with him in front of a basic, old school wrestling crowd that doesn't like uh, high spots. So it was kind of a little treat for them.
0: Nice. Okay, so what was, what was probably the most, now this doesn't have to be your best as far as like work's concerned, but what was the most fun you had, either in a match or some kind of storyline that you've been a part of?
2: Uh, I really enjoyed the storyline with me and G. Raver, because I was working with one of my best friends. Um, and then, uh, I don't know if it was fun, it was, well, I wrestled Mikey Whipwreck in Delaware, and he dumped a fucking water cooler in the ring, and the canvas was vinyl. It became a slip and slide. Basically, anything with, anything with Mikey. Because it's either like one time we were working in a hardcore match and I knew he, I took a pizza cutter, but it had the plastic on it and I ran it across his head and he gigged without me knowing and he turned around and he's like, Look what you did. So, stuff like that. Like anything with Mikey has been comical, whether it's been just stupid bumps or just acting goofy and just having fun in the ring. So, really, anything with Mikey has been fun. For sure.
1: So, so uh what is the best and the worst quality
2: uh that a promoter can have over promising and under delivering i like just it. be yeah. just be honest you know like if the door is short man it's short we'll work something out like I, I like me personally i don't know about anyone else you know if the money's tight we'll work something out you know just be honest with me don't don't give me the brother brother you know just that's yeah, it none of the wolves, and yet. If you promise, like, hey, I'm going to get you a wrestler of this or I'm going to put this belt on you, if things change. Just be honest, man. Like, hey, things change, man. something personal. We'll, we'll figure it out.
0: No, that's fair. Um, so what would you say um, would be maybe the most embarrassing moment of your career?
2: Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's a couple. Um I mean, Deathmatch, all right, so CCW main event, this was when I was, like, pushing, like, 380. I was in the main event of CCW, no rope barbed wire latch with Tremont, and I knew, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to roll into the barbed wire without getting stuck. And I'm like, they're going to fucking tear me apart. And sure enough, I go to, I'm like, I look, I walked around the ring, I'm like, this looks like my best opportunity. I slid in, and the fucking barbed wire, like, snagged my shirt. Uh. And I just heard the crowd just just fucking start giving me shit. And then another one, which was not my fault at all, it's actually DJ Hyde's fault, and if he ever listens to this, it's your fucking fault. This dude <laughs> this dude bought tables, and I swear to God, wherever he bought these tables from, they were outside for at least a year. Um, so, like, you could have touched it with a fingertip, and it would have just melted. And it was me against Janela, and Janela literally pits the table up, and it's already bowing. And he's like get on this and i was like are you crazy motherfucker i'm 380 i'm like well actually i was 360 so i started losing weight but i saw him draped over the table like hovering while he climbs up the ladder and like jumps on me and of course none of the fans are gonna listen to me and be like you know it's always it's you know my fault so those are probably my two embarrassing
0: okay That's great. <laughs> so kind of on the flip side of that what accolade are you the most proud of in your career it can be a title. It can be just a, a particular moment.
2: Um, it was uh, me versus Kima from NYWC. It was a CZW versus NYWC title. Uh, it was when our feud was really hot. We had this killer fucking match at NYWC. The cinder blocks, the whole craziness. And after the match, Mikey was the referee. It was a uh, double DQ, a uh, double count out, whatever it was, no contest. And uh, after. Uh, Me and Matt got up. Mikey handed us the belts, raised our hands, shook both our hands, told us that was fucking amazing. And then DJ and the NYWC promoters came out and gave us a standing ovation. The audience gave us a standing ovation and the locker room did. And that was one of those moments where I was like, all right, man, like, fuck, yeah, like, finally.
0: Nice. So when you are – oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just saying that's that's definitely an awesome moment. But uh, So Mm – traveling to shows uh do you normally travel alone or do you pack the car how how does that work for you and i I used to travel
2: alone because i'm not a people person like i'm very i I don't like people i like my reptiles um (laughs) but then i realized as i was getting more seasoned and you know guys would ask to ride with me my students or uh whatever um my big thing was i hated bringing guys to shows because I didn't want them, like, I, I didn't want to be like, I'll get you booked. I'll be like, hey, man, I'll open the door. It's on you to get yourself through that door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I didn't like bringing guys when they found out they couldn't get booked or they weren't going to get booked. Then they walk around miserable and mopey. And like, I don't need that, you know, at a show. Um, now I do travel with people. Mainly I, I travel with uh, one of my best friends, uh, Romeo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an uh, army. I'm army. He'll kill me. He's a Marine vet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, me and him. Anytime I'm booked on a show and it's a new company or whatever, I'm like, hey, man, you know, you come in the car, I'll introduce you to the promoter, and I'll do everything I can to try to get you on the show. And I got him on Atomic. Uh, you guys, you know, yeah. thank you. You guys mm-hmm. took him. Excite took him. Yep. Uh, he's an ace in the hole, man. He's loyal. Like I said, he's a, he's a legitimate veteran, and he's just trying to make his way in this business. And he, he moved, uh, he was stationed in Hawaii, came back to New York. I wrestled him in a show in Connecticut, told him to come to YWC and for the past year, his bookings went from one a month to five, six now. So I'm super stoked for him. Yeah, he's actually a really cool guy. I'm uh, going to reach out to him soon, hopefully, get him on the podcast too. Uh, very, yeah, very, he's, so got, he's got, dude, he's got some, you want some stories, man? He'll tell you some stories about them fighting. Uh, instead of cockfighting, they took those camel spiders and they would, like, fucking fight them.
1: Oh, holy shit. Jeez. Yeah,
2: he's, he's got some stories about going oh. over there. Oh, that's wow.
1: exciting. Yeah, I'll definitely reach out to him shortly uh so uh you know so that's one of your best friends in the business uh has there been any other like uh friends that you've made any like like life, lifelong friends in the business or
2: yeah i mean you got tremont i mean I've, I've been friends with matt since 2014 so six years uh tremont raver i mean pretty much most of the deathmatch guys, I'm either friends with or really good friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a brotherhood, like it's crazy. We go out there, we kill each other, and then we come back. We have a beer, and we hug, and we love each other. <laughs> um, a guy named Mega from uh, NYWC who's trained in 2000. Me and him became really close. Um, myself, this guy Alvin Alvarez, um, and then there's a couple guys that left the business. That I'm still close with and speak to. You know, I, like I said, I try to stay in contact, man, because I've seen guys leave wrestling and just. They're gone you never see them again. And I I don't want that. I want to at least be able to talk to people. Like, hey, man, remember when we were like 30 and we were jumping off the top rope and landing on light tooth and cinder blocks and how stupid we were?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in doing all that, what's the worst uh,
2: injury you've sustained in wrestling? Uh, Thankfully, nothing major. I've had my meniscus scope. The worst thing ever was the Beyond Wrestling casket match. For some reason... I don't know why we came up with this. Um, we were trying to come up with a finish. I wanted something dramatic where I was like, he's about to close the casket. I pop up because I'm an Undertaker Mark, do the goozle, and then something, he hits me with something, and I go back in the casket, and that's the finish. But I was like, man, it's got to be something like where people are going to be like, what the fuck? For whatever reason, I was like, what if you hit me in the head with a cinder block?
0: <laughs>
2: and he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm like, you know, don't kill me, Matt, but. He's like, I don't, know, I don't know. So then we asked Eddie Kingston who yelled at me. We asked Danny Moff and Steve Mack who were gonna commentate that match. And if you watch it, when it happens, Moth's is Moff's speechless and Max like screaming bloody murder. Um but we asked Nick Gage and I will never forget Gage is like, This is when he's fresh out of this first jail sentence. He's like, That's fucking awesome. That's you gotta fucking do God do <laughs> <to> it. <laughs> and Matt hit me in the head with that cinder block and th- I mean he didn't he didn't swing hard, but he hit me just enough where, like, it sounded like a watermelon popping, like, oh. exploding.
0: Oh, man. And
2: then, dude, like, I remember, like, driving home, I was with Eddie Kingston, a guy named Rex Lawless, and, like, the road was, like, swerving. Like, I wasn't swerving, but the road was. <laughs> and I remember Eddie, Eddie just smacked me and was like, yo, you're fucked up. You can't drive. I'm like, well, neither can you. I alright, well, then Rex has got to drive. So, like, poor Rex drove, like, four hours back home. And then, I was basically bedridden for two days, and I had to wrestle that Thursday. So I had, like, three oh, days rest. It, it fucked my life up. Like, wow. it messed up my head and everything. Yeah, I'll never do that again, unless for a lot of work.
0: Wow. So would you Would you say maybe that was, like, the like the craziest thing you've done? Or, or what was something that was, like, the craziest thing you've done in, in one of those type of, like, deathmatch-style matches?
2: You would think that, but I, I've, like... <laughs> I've upped the the cinder block bumps like so much, and I it's like become my thing almost. Like if you go to H two O, like Matt's known for the fork, Ravers got the needles, uh, Masada's got the skewers. The, the cinder blocks just became like my thing. Um, no man, I I started taking this uh, bump on the back of chairs I took at a uh, modern vintage and H two O. I mean. I've just tried like to just up the craziness and just whatever. I, I guess the craziest I've done was the blocks on fire. It was probably like the craziest I've gone with them.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's wow.
1: I've seen the chair bump you're talking about. It definitely makes me cringe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it
2: sucked. <laughs> that was that was definitely one of those uh, maybe maybe not every time moments. Right, definitely.
0: <laughs> you don't want to be that. Don't want that to become the standard.
2: No. no. No, and that, that, that's the problem with, you know, again, deathmatch wrestling, like, the and especially these new kids, man, they're, they're pushing, like, it's like, all right, I don't know now what I'm going to do. Yeah. Got to leave room to grow, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you value the most about being in this profession?
2: Just being in it, like, being allowed to be part of it. It's, to me, like, anyone that steps inside of a wrestling ring, whether it's for one match or a thousand or 10,000. Like this was my dream. Like how many people get to say, like I'm living my dream. So just being a wrestler in general, like that's to me, that's the best part.
1: All right. So um, you've had like some pretty cool mentors in the business. Uh, What's the best piece of advice that you've been
2: given? Keep your mouth shut and keep your eyes and ears open. Awesome. That's the Definitely. best advice I've ever got. All right. So, and, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and don't be afraid to speak up for yourself. Like if you have to defend your like, again, this goes back to the promoter thing. Like if you're not okay with something or you don't like it, like don't be afraid to speak up. It shouldn't be, you know, but that's in anything in life.
1: Yeah. In life for sure. Yeah. But especially, like, even, you know, you're putting your body on the line, so <clears throat> definitely yeah. there, too. Uh, so, I guess our final real big question here is, uh, you can take this death match, you can take it, you know, wherever, in all of wrestling, and all of time, who's on your Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling? So, what, what
2: is that, four guys, right? I don't even know yeah. Mount Rushmore. Is it
1: four? <laughs> yeah, it's like your four top guys in the business, or top uh, guys to you. To me, Jake Roberts,
2: uh, Mick Foley. Yeah, I'm gonna put. Oh man, see, this is such a tough one. Does do tag teams count as one or
1: two? Uh, let's go with one.
2: Road Warriors. And honestly, I'm gonna put Steve Austin up there because, in my opinion, he, he changed wrestling. But that would be my Mount War, You For know, sure. if I had to pick, like. Those are four guys right there that I could watch. Like if somebody's like, hey, you want to watch wrestling? But sure, if it's one of those four, I'm in. Right on.
0: All right. So say now that you now, like, think of this as you're retired. All right. So looking back on your life and your career, what do you want your legacy to have been?
2: Uh, I mean, uh, I've never been asked that. Holy fuck. (laughs) <laughs> now, now I'm looking at like the future. I'm, like, what am I gonna be remembered for, um, man? If if just one person was like, you know what, I know wrestling was fake, but every time I watched Stockade, man, that shit looked real, and it was believable, and I entertained somebody. Then, then I did my job. Um, I just hope, in in the end, that people enjoyed what I did because I enjoyed doing it. That that's really it
0: all right nice so um i mean that's that's all i got for the gauntlet i don't know kilowatt you got anything
1: i don't uh i think you know a lot of great information we learned a lot about you and uh you know i think you have a lot of great philosophies on the business and you know especially in a locker room you know i mean like how, how to conduct yourself in a locker room and such and i am more than excited to eventually get to work with you
2: yeah same guys i'm, mm-hmm. I'm really looking
1: forward to it the card you guys <laughs> had was like i was stoked. right yeah man uh you know and again i, I just i can't get enough man I'm, I'm very excited can't wait to uh check out some of those matches you, you've talked about and put them together in a nice little package to advertise this piece um but do you have uh, social media tags or any like merch stores or anything that uh, you want to plug a while? I mean, m- merchandise
2: wise, man, just uh, Facebook, it's Joe Stockade. Uh, Instagram, it's uh, Deathmatch Asgardian or DM Asgardian. And then uh, Twitter is either DM Asgardian or Deathmatch Asgardian. Um, in terms of merch, man, I do it all myself. I don't have a Pro Wrestling Key store or anything like that. Uh, I'm like my own guy. I don't, like I said, I don't really trust people, so I don't want to be having people deal with my stuff. Really? Um, but yeah I mean I follow me you know, like whatever it is i'm not I'm computer stupid i i I don't even have an, an Xbox one man I still have an Xbox 360 so like oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I got an my girl gave me an iPhone 11 and I couldn't even tell you what the hell it does I didn't even realize <laughs> it doesn't even have a button but uh, yeah man, follow me whatever like i I accept everybody you know as long as I don't need to hear about your political nonsense or all this bullshit because mm. i don't I don't care at the end of the day like yeah, that's all. Absolutely. Alright, so, uh,
1: wrapping this thing up, you can find us at High Tension HTW, the HTW Podcast Network. Uh, Keep up to date with all of our information regarding when Pennsylvania allows wrestling again and when we can get this thing started up. Uh, Check out, obviously, check out Stockade. I'm at RealKilowatt on all social media. And my buddy,
0: and I am at Maestro A. Scott on all social media platforms as well.
1: All right. So, this has been Hitting the Mat, the podcast with Death Math- Deathmatch as Guardian Stockade.